tonight, but I feel before we take another step tonight, before we sing another song, before we do anything more in this service, if you just reach to the person that's close to you and make contact, let's welcome the one who's worthy into this place tonight. Let's pray. Lord, before we take another step in this service, we acknowledge you. We come hungry tonight. Lord, we just sang a song about your presence, about it being heaven on earth, and we want to feel your presence tonight. We want to have heaven on earth here in this sanctuary. We've come hungry for you. We haven't come out of some religious duty tonight. We've come because we love you. We desire to be in your presence, Lord, and we want to be touched and ministered by you tonight. Father, we welcome you, Lord. We welcome you into this place tonight. Have your will. Minister to your people, Lord, and touch them tonight as we open our hearts. Lord, and we sing to you and we worship you. Amen. Hallelujah. Now that we've welcomed him, we can welcome each other. Amen. So let's get out in the aisles, welcome each other, church.
Amen. How many know tonight that His presence, there is nothing sweeter and greater than being in the presence of God? Many of you, maybe like me, you, you didn't find the, the, um, the route. Um, you maybe went the route less traveled, or, or maybe you went a more difficult route like I did and experienced some things in this world. But I'm going to tell you, when the presence of God came into my life and when the Holy Spirit began to, to just visit me and touch me, I realized that there was nothing and no one greater on this earth and I'm thankful tonight that we are right in the middle of that presence and I'm thankful that it's a it's a hand stretch away I'm thankful that it's a prayer away I'm thankful that it's just just us getting our focus on him away it's so close to us tonight and I know he's already here and walking these aisles I want you to do something for me as Pastor Brian did if you would would you lift your hands tonight and would you seek the Lord tonight would you ask him to visit us I know that there's all kinds of different things and sometimes we come in and, and we just, it's church and, and maybe the pastor's not here, whatever it may be. But you know what, tonight the power of God is in this place and He is ready and willing to touch and bless and heal. He's ready to, to, to make sure that His Word does not come back void in your life, that it's accomplished and completed. Father, we bless You and we worship You. And we seek you, God, to break out, God, and in our service, God, we seek you to break out in our hearts and lives. We seek you to break out on our drive home tonight, God. You're welcome, Lord. You're welcome, Lord Jesus. We seek you and we love you. God, there's nothing greater that we desire, God. There's nothing deeper in our heart that we covet tonight but you, God, your holy presence. We love you and we bless you and praise you. We praise you. We praise you. You know, I feel like in my heart today, if I can, right before we go into the offering, there's some things that, that hinder God's presence from working in our life, and we know that the power of God, but I'm going to tell you a key to the kingdom that, that God put in my heart this morning is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. He tells us to forgive as we've been forgiven. There's some of us, we haven't felt the presence of God in a long time. We're dry as a bone, and, and we don't even recognize it. And the reason is for some of us is we've held on to some things we need to let go of. We've let some things get into our heart and we've let it hinder our relationship with God. But Breakthrough is here tonight as Pastor Rich is going to share that you can give that to God and God can, can show up on your scene and do a mighty work. It doesn't even matter. You, you can look at the, the greatest of situation and the greatest of hurt people can look at you and say how do you have peace and joy and you say you know I gave it to the Lord I forgave them and God is working on his end I'm doing what's on my end and what's on my end is to forgive and give it to the Lord are you thankful for that tonight I believe with all of my heart that that's strength and peace I want you to be seated tonight if you can I'm just going to share this scripture if I can and then we'll take up the offering tonight I'm thankful for that I'm thankful this morning for a, a great preacher of the word Debbie Beeler sharing the word of God and I wanted to share the scripture that's been in my heart today in 1st John chapter 2 verse 20 it says and now dear children continue in him continue in him so that when he appears when he appears and we know he shall it says when he appears we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. And it says this, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called, not thought of or not just 
talked about, but, but we're, we're called children of God. We're, we're, we've been established in that position. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope, do you have that hope tonight? In Him purifies Himself just as He is pure. I want to tell you as we take up the offering tonight that God is able to complete and accomplish that which He has said He would accomplish in your life. There's nothing that God can't do and there's nothing that's out of the realm of His strength and power. And I believe with all of my heart tonight that as we meet, as we meet God's call with faith, then we'll see God do amazing, miraculous things in our families, in our lives, in our churches, in our hearts. I believe that with all of my heart. Can you pray with me? Father, we love you and thank you. Thank you tonight for the opportunity to give. Thank you for the opportunity to worship with people that love you, God. Thank you for the opportunity to come into this house in one mind, and one accord. Oh, God, desiring you, God. Young, God, maybe older, middle-aged. God, it does not matter. God, we come united, God, tonight, seeking after your heart, seeking after your will and your desires for us. Touch us, God, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
If you would, please stand with me. If you would stand. What a beautiful, beautiful song. Tonight, before, as we have with our worship, before we go into the Word, I want you to just join me in a prayer. We're going to pray over the service, you know, over the preaching. But I just want us to pray, kind of a reflection of this song, that our hearts will be open, that our minds will be open, that we say yes to God in every way, that what we have inside of us we're going to praise God with and we're going to do our very best with. If you would, please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we honor you today. We lay ourselves out before you with nothing holding back, no no clauses in our on our love to you, our dedication to you. But God, we give everything that we are to you in this moment, in this time. God, we honor you and thank you. You make it so easy for us to yield to you because you love us so greatly and you've done so much for us. We thank you for your presence that's been here tonight and thank you for your word and for your work. God, we just pray that you would take us and do inside of us what you want and move out of us. Use us and anoint us to make a difference in this world. God, let us be lifted up as lights for you. Let us be anointed and used. God, touch the message. Lord, touch this pastor. Lord, minister to my heart. Lord, help me to to share what needs to be shared. And God, help our folks to hear what needs to be heard. Lord, we give this to you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Wanted to share some a few things with you tonight. There is an, a name for this message, and it's called home safety. And it's not necessarily like you like you think. We're not going to talk about uh, you know smoke detectors and that kind of thing. It's going to have a more of a spiritual sense to it. But but before we get in there, I just want to say how much I appreciated the youth choir singing tonight. Wasn't that beautiful? Wasn't that wonderful? You know, I kind of you know it's been months, maybe it's even been close to a year, I don't, I don't know, I don't even remember, but a long time ago, let's just say that, a long time ago, me and the pastor, we came to the youth group and said, hey, there's going to be some changes, and uh, you're going to be getting a new youth pastor, and things are going to, things are going to change. That time, we talked about it, and I, we talked with the youth group about how awesome Cameron was, and how everything was going to keep going, and it was going to get better and better, and uh, praise God, I believe with all my heart, that's exactly what's happened, and uh Cameron's done a wonderful job in, in youth group. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you being up here tonight. It was beautiful and wonderful. It was anointed. And I know it's hard work from leaders and from all of you. And I, I just commend you all. And I want you to know that I absolutely love every one of you, just like I always have. And uh, I really still care about you, definitely. Amen. I lo- love you guys. All right. Let's get right into it. wanted to say this. It's funny. I was at the store the other day. And uh, I looked, and I seen some uh, candy canes, some Christmas decorations. I was looking around and seen some other Christmas presents. And I just thought about it. I was like, well, that can only mean one thing. Halloween is right around the corner. Amen. Hallelujah. But anyhow, I want to talk to you tonight about some home safety. And again, like I said, we're not talking about uh, smoke detectors or burglar alarms um, or a home safety plan. Has anybody got the, the action plan? If something goes wrong in your house, everybody knows what to do. We got one of those at my house. It kind of goes like this. Uh, Chrissy, my wife, she grabs Leo. Leo grabs the cat, and then I grab my Hot Wheels collection, and we hit the door running. Yeah. 
<laughs> little joke there. Um, but anyhow, we're talking about home safety, and like I said, it, you know, I want to focus more on like a spiritual sense of, of what your home is as opposed to like maybe the physical. And I do believe it as a spiritual matter, uh, what happens at your home, what happens at your home, I believe it's a spiritual matter because there's such thing as the physical house, you know, the physical place where you're, you're going to go tonight, that might be an apartment, it might be some place that you're in, or, or it might be a house that you've bought. You have this physical house that you live in and you, you reside in, that's your place, that's your home, that's, you know, you decided what color the drapes are going to be, you know, it's the place where you go when you want to shut the world out. But there's a difference, and you've heard this said before, there's a difference between a house and a home, and a home is a place that, that you make, and it's comfortable, and you're allowed to be there with your family, and you can love each other and take care of each other. And you can be free to kind of be yourself, and, and, and in some respects, you don't have to worry about, you know, being something. You know, when you're at work, you might have to act this way, or you're here, and, and I don't mean anything that's like, you know, not, not based on integrity, but there's just a difference about your home, about your home. And uh, I wanted to, to bring this to you maybe in a different way than you've ever, ever heard it. I thought today, and I was thinking about the home, and uh, I was thinking about building a safe home, and I want to start tonight by laying some foundation, first thing. That's another joke if anybody gets it. But anyhow, I started to think about how I want to talk about the home, and maybe it's different than we've, we've ever heard it before. Your home, you know, it's just sitting there. It's waiting for you. And you, you can be busy, and you can go in and go out, and, and maybe you don't even think about your home. Maybe the way, maybe the way it's really in, intended, but our home is, almost becomes a, a part of the family. We have such an incredible emotional attachment to it. And I believe that God wants us to have a home that's established. Not only does he provide and bless us with a roof overhead, but I believe that he's set up a home as an idea of a place where you would go and not only have uh, protection maybe from the elements, but, but kind of a, a safe haven, a place where God can bless you and kind of get you away from the busyness of life. So really, at a home, it doesn't matter if it's a couple, it doesn't matter if it's one person and their kids, if it's ten people, there's a home, and, it, and it's, it's like an, an idea. It's like an idea, a perfect place for you to go. And I, and I want to say this, you're probably more attached to your home than, than what you realize. And I'm going to throw out a couple of things here to really get you thinking about what home means. If you've ever had someone pass away that's close to you, maybe they've been at the hospital, they're in hospice, and maybe it's been a long struggle with cancer. There's this idea they just want to go home. Let's get them home and let's make them comfortable and peaceful, but let's get them to their house. They want to be at their house and be with family and friends surrounded you know, by a bedside or in the living room. They want to they pass at home. There's something special about their home. It's peaceful and, and it's familiar, uh, comforting surroundings. We have this emotional attachment to our homes. If you've ever had your house broken into, whether it doesn't matter if they broke stuff or they took stuff, there's something about it. It's not just a physical thing. You feel sick inside and you feel like somebody's invaded your, your privacy and you've been violated when you know, it's just physical things, but you're like, this is my house, this is my place, this is, you know, this is where I live, but you feel so, feel so violated. And, and I don't know if you've ever been in this place, but there's sometimes when you can go through something very traumatic, you can be stuck somewhere, or 
or be far away from home and you just long to be at home. You want to be at home and be at that place. There's a lot of that comes with home and, and we're going to talk about home that's, that is that. It's a safe place that we can go. It's, it, it's great comfort and, and, and it just feels wonderful to be there. And I believe God has uh, established an idea of, of home in our hearts and in our lives and a place where we can be safe. I don't want to talk about what it means to build a safe home. And, and, and I'm going to throw some stuff out there, and you might think I'm crazy and it might sound weird to you, but, but I'm going to try to explain in my own personal way exactly what I mean. So here we go. In Philippians 4 and 19, it says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ, by Christ Jesus. It's a place that he's, he's provides a place. I believe that God wants to give us a, a safe place. And I believe that we are, not only that God wants to give us a safe place for us to be, I believe that's his work, I believe that's his plan, and I believe we're entitled to that. I think sometimes people get this idea in their head, like depending on what time of the life their, their life is and where they're at, like, like having a home and having this safe place is kind of like, well, you know, I don't have that right now. I believe God wants you to have that. And I believe that every one of us should fight for our home, fight for this place where we get away from all the chaos of the world and everything that's out there and get, a, get in a place where we can have time where it's just us and God or those that are closest to us. I believe that God wants us to have those. I believe it's very closely aligned with the Sabbath and things like that to where God wants to take care of us and he wants to pour in our life. And you know what it feels like to have a safe place or not have a safe place. You know the devastation of maybe not having your home or, or being in a place where there's other people in the house that are scary and you just don't know what's going on. It's so uneasy and it messes with your entire life if things are happening at home and it's, it's not a safe place. And I want us to just talk about that tonight. What, what can we do to build a, build a safe home? I believe God wants us to have a safe home, a place where we can shut out the world and focus on him and a place where we can focus on those around you and you deserve it. A safe home, Check. listen to this, a safe home means that you've had a place to get away and a place to, to be safe and to be by yourself and connect with you and God so that you can be refreshed and walk out and look at the world and take care of the business that you're supposed to take care of. I believe that God wants us to have that and, and to set that up. So here we go with the scripture. How do we build a safe home? Matthew chapter 7, verses 21. I'm going to jump to 24 through 27. Verse 21 says this, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Jumping to verse 24. I'm going to take a drink, and I'll let some of you catch up that are still looking. Verse 24 says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto the foolish man which built his house upon sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell and great was the fall of it. There's three things that I want to pull out of this scripture and I want to talk to you about. Number one is just this. 
simply said, and you know this, that Jesus, when he was talking here, he was talking about the storms are going to come. This life is full of all kinds of craziness, and there are storms and chaos all around us, and he knows that we need a place to go. He knows that we need shelter, that we don't need to just be out here on our own, going through life, going through all the storms. He, he knew that we would need shelter. He knew that we would need help. First thing is, there's storms in this life. Second thing that I want to point out about this scripture, and what's so awesome is, as he says, that there's, you have the choice that you can build your home on the rock. And if you'll listen to what God's word is, listen to his direction, you can build your house on a foundation that regardless of what comes at it, won't be moved. That, to me, is incredible. Because God does that kind of thing. God's truth is so strong and so real that, that it can't be shaken, it can't be moved. And I want you to get this in your mind. There's a lot of times that we look at ourselves when the storms come, when, when things are going around and it's, it's chaos. We look at ourselves and we kind of do inventory of ourselves. and We say, where's our faith at? Why am I acting this way? Why am I doing this thing? And, and it's almost like we want ourselves to be the rock. But the scripture here is telling us, Jesus was putting this out here. He's saying, depend on me. Build on me. I am the rock. So instead of looking at ourselves when, when times are crazy, kind of like Debbie said this morning, instead of looking at ourselves when times are crazy, it's about us looking to him. We don't have to depend on how strong I am in the storm. We can depend on how strong God is in the storm, how awesome he is, and how the truth that he, that he gives to us. Sometimes we see truth as as bending and swaying, and man, I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm telling you, the truth is truth, and there's no arguing with it. It's a rock and a foundation that we can build on, and it's a promise. And if there's promises backing up his word, if he says, you know what, I want you to build your house on this rock, and it's going to stand, if he says that that's the way it could be, then what's going to happen is it will stand. That at the end of your days, at the end of the time at your home, it's going to stand and it's going to be established. You're going to find victory after victory when it comes down to it, when the wind's done blowing, when the situation is over, you're going to find that you're standing on the rock and you've been established and God's going to protect you and take care of you. That's the second thing. And it, and it's, it strikes us this way to keep going and keep building and keep believing and keep standing, keep grabbing a hold of God's promises you're not depending on you. You're not depending on your faith, but it's you grab hold of God and you take hold of his promises and your home will be established. Home will be established. And this is the last thing that I want to say as far as these scriptures go at this point. It's the third thing that I want to pull out of what these scriptures says. And it's simply this. He's, look, at this uh, look at this part of, uh, part of the scripture. It talks about uh, the wise man which built his house on the rock. And then it says there's a foolish man that built his house on the sand. What I want you to see in this is you're in charge of building your house. You're in charge of building your house. God makes the truth available. He makes the abilities available. He makes wisdom available. But he is saying, it's your decision. You build your house. You build your house Every one of us have a responsibility on us to build our house. And if there's scripture and there's promise, if there's a word that we can build our house on, 
and it'll stand, and it's up to us to build it, that means that, that there has to be intention with what we do. And there's an accountability with how we handle our home and how we build the place where we live every day, that safe place, that place where, where maybe friends and family should come and feel warm and welcome, build out of promises. That means we have a responsibility that we have to figure it out. How do I build this thing? There's a way that it's going to be built, that it's going to be established. And God promises that he's going to be the rock. You are, you are in charge of building your house. I, you know, as I'm thinking through all this stuff and praying about it, you know, as a, as a thought comes to me, you know, I'm like, you know, some kind of thought. I want to always address my thoughts. Sometimes I think we have this thing in our head that, that we just pray, well, God's going to build my house. Hallelujah. He's going to build, he's going to build my house for me. And maybe that's true in a sense, but we have to be intentional about it. And we've got to be strategic about it. We've got to be uh, in thinking through what our home is and how we build it and how we live and what we let in and what we let out and how it all works together. We have to be intentional about it. We have to be intentional about it. God gives direction. He gives wisdom. He gives ability. But he tells us we have to build a home. It's kind of like back in the old days with the temple. He gave all kinds of direction and instruction. But God didn't just snap his finger and boom, there was the house. He said, you build it this way. And they had to follow directions and build it. So we have to be intentional about building our home. And I don't know, you can think about this and think about us reclaiming our homes. Reclaiming our homes, taking control of our homes. I believe that that's the way God wants it to be. He wants it to be safe places that we can build and live in and have successful families and be blessed. But we have to be intentional and we have to say, okay, I'm taking charge and I'm going to be the one that leads my home. And, not, and like I said, that's true regardless of what your demographic looks like. You can be by yourself. You could have 10 people in your home. You have to be in charge of what goes on in your home. You have to decide. You have to decide. We must understand that the enemy is trying to mess up your home. And I said this before. If stuff is not right at your house, your whole life is messed up. It could be, you know, the house is a wreck and it's just messed up. That can throw you off so bad that it can ruin your day, just that alone. But if somebody's upset or anything that can go wrong at your home, it will mess up your entire world. The enemy knows that. The enemy knows that if he can target your home, if he can take away peace, if he can take away safety, you know, he knows that he's going to mess up your whole day. I believe that your home has to be built by you, and I believe that you have to fight for your home. And I'm going to share five things with you that I, that I believe make, will make all the difference in your home. You can write these things down. You might feel like, wow, these really apply to me. You might feel like, well, I know somebody that needs to hear this. However you want to take it, but it applies to any, any situation, whether you're at home by yourself, whether your kids are grown and gone, whatever it is, this applies to you, I believe. And I believe it, it, it matters what you let in your house, what you bring into your home, I believe makes all the difference of where your home, whether it'll be established, whether it'll stand, or whether it'll fall, whether it'll be safe, or whether it'll be not, whether it'll be happy, or whether it will not be. In Revelations 3 and 20, it says this, it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, I will sup with him, and he with me, and have an opportunity 
to let God in our house. And, and the reason why it's so important to allow him in and to allow him to establish everything that goes on in your home is because if it's all about him, then he's got control. He can move and he can work and bless like he needs to. Your house will turn into this beautiful place that you never imagined it could be when he's in control. But I want to look at these five things and just throw them out here to you, and we're going to talk about them. Number one, something that I believe will absolutely change your home is if, if somehow you were able to look and stand at your doors and make a decision that bad attitude, maybe work, maybe problems outside of the doors, if you could figure out a way to make them stop at the door and you not take them in. And, and what do I mean by that? There's so many different times that, that our, our home is our commonplace. It's our everyday place. So whatever happens in our life, we come right through the door and we bring it right in with us. And I believe we need to, to make a decision that we are going to stop that and not do that. We're going to find the right places to unload that kind of stuff. We need to talk to God. We need to find the right people at work, the right family and the right friends in the right context to where we can share what's inside of us instead of marching in our house and taking that with us. It's easy for people to go in their homes and be upset about the day, take it out on family and the people that's closest to you, and your home go from this awesome place where everybody's supposed to be safe and loved, and it turn into this dark place where everybody fears the time when you walk through the door because you're so, so mean and so nasty from what's happening outside. It's easy for you to get dark. I'm, I'm a person, if you know me for five minutes, I'm pretty even keel. You probably don't hear me talk 95% of the time. If things go wrong in my world when I go home, I'm quiet. I'm like, my wife says, is there anything I, she says, is there anything I can do to help you? I'm like, no, I just want to sit and stare at the wall. <laughs> you know, that's how, I, that's how I'm just like, I just want it to like slowly seep and go away from me. But it's easy for us to, to close down and to get distant and to get angry and take it out on each other. It's easy for us to, maybe if we're by ourselves, if we live by ourselves, we can get distant from the world that's outside of us and not call and not email and get dark. And we become easy targets. And maybe you've made this statement to yourself when it comes to taking stress home to your house. Maybe you've made this statement to yourself. You said, man, I had a bad day at home and I come home and here it is again. I still got the same thing. People get loud and they get angry and the, the family misses you and you miss the family as you turn into somebody that, that you're not. So we have to worry about what we bring in as far as our attitude. How does that look? How does that look to our family? We got to think about it. Most of the time, we don't think about it. Hey, you know, whatever. We're just going through life. We're just doing it. But we have to be intentional. We have to care about what we do and about who we are around our family, the impression we're going to make, the home that we're going to establish. We have to think about it. And the next thing that I want to share with you is the sneaky things, the little small things. Somebody would say, hey, you're talking about my house tonight. Hey, that's my house. Thank you. You don't got a right to say what goes on in my house. And I'll agree with you. I don't. It's up to you. God says you're building your house. It is up to you. But I do want to help you out and share this with you. 
There's little sneaky things that people are allowed to come in the door with them when they walk into their homes. They feel like they're quiet. They feel like they can hide it in certain places and nobody will know about it. I, I rented a house one time. Looked pretty good from the outside, nice. I, I walked through it and I rented it and had a nice living room and different things. And, and it looked really nice. But if you walked down in the basement, you could see a trail where the water would rush in. And there was one whole wall that was made out of, the, the foundation was made out of block. And it was so cracked, the wall bulged in like this. And we often, I went out and looked around the house and I thought, man, when's the day when we're going to come out here and it's going to like fall in and the, you know, we're going to have grass in the basement because it's so falling down. The small little cracks, the small little issues and things that are hidden in places in your life that you think that's not making a difference, they always grow. Now, that little small crack, it always gets bigger and bigger, and the foundations of our homes crumble. And you have to know that. Sin has a way of never being satisfied. It has a way of always demanding your attention. It has a way of always pulling at you and getting your attention somewhere else. So it causes us to be in a place where we ignore our families. Husbands and wives are strained. The, there's so much guilt that's involved. It eats you alive. You can live alone or you can be in a full house and sin will mess up everything. Sin will mess up everything. You have to get rid of those little things. Those little things that will ruin your home. Number three, another thing that I believe that causes strain and that hurts the family, that hurts this safe place that we're supposed to have, and not too many people ever talk about this, and, and this is not some kind of exhaustive list, but this is what I feel led to do. Something that will hurt your home is comparing. When you come to your house, when you have things in your heart and your mind, when you have something whispering inside of you that, that's doing this thing where you compare everything to where you're at in life, I want you to know that that comparison thing will rob you of your joy. It'll rob you of the blessings that God's put in your life. Because what happens is the enemy comes along and he starts whispering about your job versus somebody else's job. Your car versus somebody else's car. Your house versus somebody else's house. Then he starts to say, well, your kids, and look at their kids. Then he says, your wife, their wife, husband, husband. Then he even says, look at you and look at them. We start to listen to comparison. If we bring that home with us, it will destroy our home. It'll take away our peace, and it'll do horrible things to us. Comparison is an unfair thing to do because what we have is we don't have all the evidence, and we got the, we've got our enemy practically being the one that's doing the litigation. He's the one doing all the accusing and saying how things are. And if we're not careful, we'll start to listen to all that stuff. Our eyes might start to wonder when it comes to our spouses. You know, our, our upset disappointment with our kids might start to come out, and we start to say, why can you be like this? And, and those things start to come out, and they ruin our homes and our peace. We have to get away from that. Get away from that. It distracts us. It makes us disheartened. It gets us to be mean, and we turn into monsters. And we make those that live with us live a nightmare. And comparison is unfair. Another thing that we don't want to let in our home, and this is probably one of the hardest things that that we could talk about, is insecurity. Insecurities are like carbon monoxide in your home. They're silent killers. 
carbon monoxide or the insecurities have a way of manipulating how you think. They're hurt or some type of lack where you feel you are vulnerable, so you compensate for them. And with this, you're always trying to make things better. You're always trying to appease some kind of lack in your life, so you're always on edge. You're always working in things that really probably don't matter. You get easily mad. You're easily hurt. You're easily offended. You do or don't do certain things based on your insecurity, and you can be totally missing in action with your family because of it. I've said this before, and I can say this because I've got tons of insecurities. Insecure people end up being some of the most selfish people you will ever meet because they spend all their time worrying about themselves. And the only way, I believe, one of the only ways that we can get out of thinking that way is to get a hold of God's Word and let it speak into our life about who we are and let it shape us and change us and mold us so we can get out of this, this rut in our own mind and we can start loving and caring for people like we really should. Like we really should. And number five, a way that, that, that will rob us of having a peaceful home. And this, is, this is the last one of these. is to do nothing at all. One of the worst decisions that we can make about our home is to do nothing at all. If we don't step up and establish, you know, how things are going to be and God's going to be in control, there's other things that will jump in, other voices that will rise to the surface and they will establish your home. You either have, you build it on the rock, or you don't. You're somewhere in there. Maybe the loudest voices that are at your house are the TV. Maybe it's the radio. Maybe it's a, a video game. Who knows what it is, but whatever's getting all the attention, what, it, what you're allowing to be the kingpin, the number one thing in your home, that is becoming who your leader is. That's becoming what your home is. You might think, well, I'm just going to sit back and roll with life. You can't do that. Your home is being built, and it will either be wrong or it will be right. It will either stand or it won't stand. We have to be concerned about building our home the right way. And I believe God wants to establish a safe home for us. God's word is the building blocks to a safe home. When work is crazy, you can cast all your cares on the Lord like the Bible talks about. He gives us, and he directs us, and he gives us people that love us that we can use as outlets. God says in his word that, that he can make us white as snow, those little small sneaky things that we can put those things down, that we can ask for forgiveness, that we can be set free from them according to his word. Number three, God says that he has plans for us, that he has plans for us, that so we don't have to compare ourselves to somebody else that, that has it better than we do, but he says that I've got plans for you, and he establishes those in his word, and if we stand on him, he will establish us. God says in Scripture that, you are, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God wants to bless our home. Number five, God says that, that I do have a lamp for your feet and a light for your, light for your path. You do have steps to take. There is a plan and there is a purpose. You are called to be over your home. You're not there by, by chance. You're not thrown into a situation and here you go. It's not like that. God has a plan. God has a purpose. He wants to establish your home. He wants it to be a safe place that he, can, that he can speak to you, that he can touch you, that he can help you, that he can use you, that he can minister to the other people that are around you. You know, I'm going to preach a lot. Uh, this year, I'll probably preach 20 times, but it means almost about this much compared to what goes on in your home. 
when we do when we talk about orange, we make this comparison. Some parents will come to the church and they'll present their kids and they'll say, "Here, you do something with them. You make my kids spiritual." In one year's time, the church has 40 hours on average, 40 hours with the kids that are brought to our church. Compared to parents who have the same in the same comparison relationship, parents have 3,000 hours to impact their kids in a year compared to the 40 that, that this good old guy that was a youth pastor does. The, the, the comparison is staggering. The home has to be a place that God builds and he establishes. And we have to be the ones fighting on the front line and saying, this is how my home is going to be and this is how my life is going to be. And it's just as important if you walk out of here tonight and you go home alone, it is just as important that you go out of here determined about what your home is going to be and what it's not going to be. When you go home, you, you say and you do and you act according to God's word to build strength. Your, your home should be a safe haven that you love going to. And I don't think it's wrong or, or you should feel guilty about making it fun. Make it a wonderful place. Make it, decorate it with stuff that you just absolutely love and just have a blast. I think that's what God wants for us. He wants to bless us. He wants to establish our homes and make it wonderful. You may say, well, in my home, I'm the only Christian. And I wanted to share this scripture with you. And I've got just a few more things that I want to throw out here. 1 Peter 3 and 1, and, and this situation applies to, to more, I believe, than what it just talks about. It says, in the same way, you wives must accept authority of your husbands. Then even if some, of, some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak uh, speak to them without any words. They will be won over. What that means is, is maybe your home is not a Christian home, and you know maybe there's something you know not ideal like you would like it to be. But you're a Christian in a home that that maybe not a Christian home. God is saying in the Scripture here that if you'll stay faithful to Him, He's going to build you up. You might not have the liberty of taking over the whole home, so to speak, but He's faithful to you. Not only is he, will he be faithful to you, but the scripture is saying that he will turn the whole situation around and he can minister to those people that are in your home. I believe that we're, we have a safe place, and I believe that God keeps us safe regardless of where we're at. Uh, God wants to establish a fortress all over this area. I believe that he wants to raise the church up to be an example to this world of what a home looks like, regardless of demographic, but I believe he wants to raise us up as safe loving, happy people. I was really blessed. Um, this last week, I was driving across town. I was running some errands. And I was really blessed to see all the Family Fun Fest signs at different houses. You know, I didn't know that, that people connected to our church lived there. And I'm like, well, there's a sign. And look down another road, and oh, there's another sign. There's all these homes that we have all over this community. I was, we want to raise up safe places. Safe places are where we are where you decide you're going to pray and build according to God's word and his truth. I'm thinking about us being tonight here in, in the presence of God and what work he does in his presence. Now, I've often thought and thought it fitting. I'd like to go in my, I like to go in my basement and pray. And, I, and it's cool to me to be down there because it's like, you know, I want that strong foundation. So I'm like, you know, uh, you know, praying over the walls down there. You know, the house is going to be established. You know, it's all crazy and symbolic, but you know, that's how it is. But, but when we pray, God moves and he does wonderful, awesome, incredible things. And I just imagine the same spirit and the same presence being at your house and what a difference that makes. 
What a difference that makes. It's up to us. We decide how we're going to build the house. We're going to take his promises, what he gives us, his word, his direction, and build something awesome. We decide. We decide, and he wants to do that in a wonderful way. I want to share one more word, one more story with you, and, and one more thought, and then we're going to, we're going to pray. And the, story, the story goes like this. A couple weeks ago, I went on vacation, drove to Florida, and uh, I had a blast. But on the way down there, I uh, actually went the wrong way, of course. You know, I was busy having fun. I had visions of vacation in my mind, and I missed a turn. And uh, we got to looking around, and I was like, man, you know, we're on, 70, we're on 75 going south. And I got to looking around, I'm like, man, I've, never, I've, I've always been in a hurry. Maybe I'm not in a hurry as much this time because the scenery is looking nice. You know, there's all kinds of farms and stuff. You know, so it gets, starts to get a little darker, and we pull off. And uh, we get some gas and stuff, jump back on the highway. And I look at the sign, and the sign is not saying what I needed to say. And I'm like, uh-oh. I'm like, we went the wrong way. So anyhow, I said, well, let's look it up on the GPS and see how out of the way we are. But anyhow, we ended up like 100 miles out of the way. What's, what's this crazy? Hey, I was thinking of going on vacation, and, you know, I was determined. Anyhow, so we got back on the highway, and I'm like, well, I just got to drive it back. So we start back, and uh, we're driving a while. All of a sudden, the phone goes off, and it is a warning, a tornado warning on the phone. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Be, and it said, you know, beware, tornado, such and such place. We're in the middle of Kentucky, wherever such and such place was. I don't, I don't know. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So we're driving, you know, I'm hurrying to get back to 75, all of a sudden it is dark. It is like dark, dark, dark. And I'm like, oh, man. And it starts raining. And I mean the crazy rain where you can't, you know, you can't see out of the window and the fastest setting on the windshield wipers is, you know, that's not fast enough. And I'm like, uh-oh. We are driving into the center of this tornado blindly in the darkness we're driving right into it and all of a sudden there's limbs and leaves and stuff everywhere and all of a sudden then the the hail starts hail about the size of tennis ball baseball that big wham wham starts hitting the car and hitting the windshield and I'm like I'm leaning up in the windshield trying to see and I'm like one of these things is going to come through the windshield and shatter glass in my eyes and I'll be blind for the rest of my life but anyhow I'm leaning up in the window and it is chaos. I mean, it is chaos. The, the trees are blowing back and forth in the, you know, broken in the streets. Those huge hailstones. And I'm like, okay. They always say if you see the hailstones, you know, you're in for business. My wife is praying and I'm leaning forward. So she's basically just about behind me. And I'm praying. I'm like, all of a sudden I get this idea. I'm like, we need an overpass. We need an overpass. God, bring us an overpass, an overpass, an overpass. On this side, there's the big highway wall. On this side, there's a guardrail, you know, drops off. I'm like, we need, a, we need a, an overpass, an overpass, an overpass. So anyhow, for what seemed like, you know, 15 minutes, which was probably about two, we finally get to this overpass, and there's all these cars parked around. And I pull up and stop, and boom, you know, the storm stops. And I'm like, well, awesome. Then I, I look, and I realize 
a ways the cars were stopped that I could I didn't even get underneath the underpass. But just that quick, the storm and everything had stopped. And I'm telling you, when it stopped, it stopped. It went from chaos to nothing. I'm telling you, the trees weren't moving. No rain, nothing. And we, I pulled up and stopped. And by the time I got to stop, boom, it was done. All the other cars start up, and they t- start taking off. I start up, I leave, and that was it. It wasn't until a little bit later I, I got to thinking about it. And, you know, it's one of those God moments. You know, God protected us in that, in that moment. You know, and, and I was praying that, that we were going to get to the overpass. And as soon as we got to the overpass, you know, we were going to be safe. But God was able to basically stop the storm in a second before we ever got there. You know, that structure, that safety, which is amazing. And what, what is so good about that, and the why, reason why I bring that story up to you is simply this. If, if we'll let him be the rock in our homes, that's the same type of thing. We don't have to pray, you know, God, God do this or God do that or, you know, all those different things. We say, God, please be our rock. Let our homes be established. We want to do what's right. We want to do what's correct according to you. We want to establish this thing on the rock. And when we have that, God can move and work and do awesome things. And in a moment change situation and establish our home. I think we do a lot to depend on God change all this, God move all these things, but we just need to establish ourselves, establish our home on Him. God is love. God is love. That's why we can depend on Him. And if you'll stand, I want to share this one last thought to you, thought with you, and then we're going to pray. God is love, and we can depend on his love. His love will establish our homes. He'll protect us and take care of us. I had this thought the other day, and I've never thought about this way, but God, you know, kind of like reversed things and showed me his love in a different way than he ever has before. I was trying to have the time with him, and, you know, I was just thanking him and loving him. And I, I just thought about God's love. God's love is immense. I mean, it's just incredible. And he just gives it to us. And in a natural human way, we would think of that and we'd be like, you know, if if I love my wife a certain amount, our natural thing says, well, she's going to, she better love me the same amount. God loves us so incredibly. And this is the thought that I had, that God loves us so incredibly that I can never love him back the same way. And I just, I just thought about that. And I've thought about that so many times. I, I'm just like, well, I just give you everything. I, I just can't love you like you love me. But what is so cool about that, what he showed me is, is that he loves us in our lack. Where I can't, my love can't compare to his love. He makes up the difference. He loves us that much. He loves us even in our lack. And it's so beautiful and so wonderful. And that's the love that God has for us. And it just makes me love him all the more that he would love me like that. That he understands that, that I'm not perfect and I, that I don't have it all together yet. But he loves me anyway. I got to thinking about that. And what great testimony if our homes were established that way. For the people that we're with. That we'll love them even though they're not perfect. Maybe they can't love us like we love them. But we'll go ahead and love them in their lack 
In the same way, if you live, live by yourself, or maybe you have just little kids and it's just you and them, and love, your, love like God loves you. Understand that God loves you, that you don't have to, to have an issue with yourself, or, you know, and none of us have to have issues with ourselves or look down on ourselves in some kind of negative way. God loves us. God loves us in our life. God loves us and cares for us so greatly. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. God loves you. God wants to bless your life and and provide for you and give to your needs. He wants to take care of you. He has a plan and he wants to establish you and do some beautiful things. He He just needs all of you. He just needs your heart. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody is. But God loved us. He gave his son for us so that when we reach out to him, he would accept us, save us, touch our hearts, touch our lives, touch us in this life and for all eternity, that he would reach beyond our lack and make a connection. If you're here tonight with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you're in a situation where you do not have a relationship with God, as I'm talking about it right now, and you know in your own heart and mind, you're like, hey, I'm on the outside looking in on this deal. If that's you, and you would like to pray a prayer, we want to pray a prayer with you that would ask Jesus into your heart. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. That you could be washed clean and have eternal life and, and have a relationship with God like God wants you to. If that's you and you would want to pray, I'd ask you real quick to raise your hand and say, yeah, that." By raising your hand, you're just saying, yeah, that's me. Please pray with me. Is there anybody here tonight that would say they want to pray? Nobody's looking around. Nobody's talking. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Is there anybody at all that would like to pray? Okay. With that being said, I want to challenge us to come to the altar tonight. And, and I don't want to do anything that's going to make you feel weird or feel bad, but I would like you to come representing your home. Maybe there's more people that live in your home that are here. They can come with you. That's awesome. But I want you to come tonight to establish your home, to maybe reestablish it or to establish it. And I want you to come and pray, and we're going to make a, a dedication a dedication of our homes to God that we're going to build them on godly principles, on the truth of God's word. Maybe when you come up here, maybe you might think and, and be like, man, there is some stuff I need to clean out. Or, man, we, we've been letting this situation or letting this thing kind of run our home and kind of mess things up. We need to reestablish some stuff. I don't, I don't know what's going on in your home, but I would just like us all to come and take a moment to pray over our homes and say, this is what my home is going to be. We're going to establish it on the truth. We're going to establish it on the rock, and we're going to see God do something awesome. If you would, please come. Let's take a few moments, and let's pray.
share a special prayer request that's came in. If you're praying, you can keep praying, but if you would, everybody else, please pray with me. There's a car accident. Nancy Lehman's uh, grandson, Connor Messmore, has been in a serious car accident, and they've uh, taken him to one hospital, and he was serious enough that they went ahead and took him to a trauma hospital in a different place. So we want to pray for Connor that uh, God just touch and move in the situation. Amen. If you would, pray, pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray for this young man, Connor. Pray that you administer to him, Lord, right now, that you would touch him, help him, God, and be with him. Whatever the situation is, whatever the issues are, God, we pray that you'd bring your work into his body physically, that you would touch him and help him. Lord, let the reports start to turn for better even now as we speak. God, let it, let it be surprising, the turnaround that he has. We just pray that you would help him and be with him, whatever those issues are. God, we pray that you would be with him, be with the, the nurses and the doctors and just the whole situation. And God, we pray that you'd be with this family, Lord, that you would be their peace and their, their comfort right now. God, watch over them and take care of them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, please stand with me. We are going to be dismissed here tonight. We just want to fight for our homes, that they'll be the place that they were intended to be, that God would be the Lord of our homes, and that we'll be blessed, and we'll be taken care of when we're there, and our families will be blessed. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, once again, we just thank you, Lord, for having us to be yours. Thank you, Lord, that we, that we have the ability to establish you as our rock and our homes. God, that we can depend on you, and Lord, we can live and breathe in, in your blessings and in your move. God, we just pray that you'd be with us this week as we go from here. Again, we pray that you'd bless us as we are preparing Family Fun Fest. Lord, let it go according to your will. Let tons of people come. Let hearts be touched and lives change and let your will be accomplished, Lord. We give you all the thanks and all the praise. And we pray that you'd be with all of our folks that are coming back, the pastor and Gary and everybody that's coming back and traveling. Pray that you'd protect them and be with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. We will see you this week.